welcome to the latest episode of Two Wizards and a Mic. This is a podcast where we talk about Dungeons and Dragons, the game of all games, and try to give you our perspective of how cool it is, because we're old. I'm Shane, and to my left, or right? I'm, I'm Andrew. And uh, Andrew, to start off, what is the latest on the Kickstarter? No! Right. So, Monsters of Feyland 2, bringing more creatures to your game, and a lot more. We are running a Kickstarter. We're exactly halfway through at 8 a.m. this morning here on the Pacific West Coast. We were halfway through the Kickstarter, so we've done two weeks, and we have uh, close to 80% funded. And the live update, we are very close to 400 backers. So to put that in perspective, as an eagle flies over the office. <laughs> I, you um, live in such a crying place. I mean, yeah. there's so much to, to look at. Yeah. So um, to put that in perspective, so we're almost exactly the same as the last Kickstarter. The last Kickstarter at the halfway point was 80% funded, and we're almost the same uh, on the same path. So hopefully that continues. Um, the main reason is to get the stretch goals because the first one is 20 extra monsters, which uh, adds a lot to the book. You go from 100 to 120 monsters. And um, as I said, it's it's really a campaign book for Feyland. And this is our fifth book in the series of monster books we've done. And our links there below uh, will take you to the Kickstarter and you can take a look. We actually have a free downloadable booklet, part of the book we've already finished. So you can take a look at that there and um, use it tonight in your game right now. Go ahead. That is actually the best way to market something that's already out there. It's not just, it's coming soon. It'll be out next week. Uh, you'll be able to pick this up after midnight tonight. No, no. It's like, just go do it now. You will have it and you could use it. Not just have it. Utilize it in your game today. So that's yeah. very cool. But... This week we're talking about clerics, I believe. Uh, a character class that I have played and enjoyed. Uh, but please, educate the masses. <laughs> well, we'll give a, a little bit of a... Uh, some, you know, we'll show some, some perspective on the cleric, something different. So uh, this is one of the original D&D classes. Um, I believe D&D started out with fighter, magic user, and cleric. So this goes back to the beginning of the game. And um, there's always been a certain amount of similarities between the cleric and the paladin, which we'll talk about, but um, especially in fifth edition. But basically we're talking about healers uh, who are devoted, devout worshipers of a deity. Um, they often deal with undead. And um, there was often a, a phrase back in D&D &D, and it's still around today that says, you know, you really have to have a cleric in the party um, because of their healing power. Yeah. And it does help for sure. Holy characters, famous clerics include um, Thor. I would agree 100%. That's a great example of a cleric or some sort Thor. of barbarian, maybe. Really? Interesting. Uh, some people think Loki is a version of a cleric. That is debatable. We'll debate that. Um, Priest, a, a great movie with Paul Bettany. I don't know if Shane, if you've seen that movie, Priest. I have, I have. So to yeah, me, that's probably can see that. That's an awesome cleric. Um, 
Gold Moon and Dragonlance uh, as a of cleric. Course. Although kind of leaning in a way to Druid, to in a way to, I think. Um, Van Helsing, actually, um, apparently that is one of the inspirations for the cleric for um, Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson at the beginning of Dungeons and Dragons. Apparently really? that, um, yeah, that, that figure was a major influence. And it makes sense if you think about the turning the undead power and that sort of um, part of the cleric. Yeah. And then I think Shepard in Firefly, to a certain degree, is like a cleric. Um, yes, I would agree. But there actually aren't that many really good examples. And it, the priest is a, you know, a certain archetype in our culture. The cleric warrior, not as much. I think it's something that's fairly new. And um, yeah, I think it's lost sort of some of it, the connection to what it really is too in fifth edition. People forget what they, what a cleric really is. Um, their hit points are pretty decent. They get the 1d8. Uh, their skills, they get to choose two from history, insight, medicine, persuasion, and of course, religion. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, armor, light and medium armor. They can use shields. They can use simple weapons. So they're actually pretty decent fighters in D&D, &D, and they can, um, they can up their damage with different features as well with their weapons, and they can have a pretty decent armor class. Um, they have a holy symbol as their spell casting focus, although you don't have to do that. Um, they have abilities to channel divine energy from their god, um, which includes turning undead creatures, basically frightening them away. And later, when they get more powerful, they can actually just destroy them, just disintegrate them um, with their radiant energy. So there is a number of there are a number of subclasses in fifth edition. We have the knowledge domain which is more of a sage in some ways, a little bit less of a warrior. They study esoteric lore. They collect old books, old tombs, or tomes, I should say, maybe tome tombs as well. And um, they delve into the secret places of the earth. Um, they can read thoughts at a, certain, at a higher level. And um, I think that one there has a lot of possibilities in terms of a character build. I think the last time I played a cleric was in one of our adventures not too long ago. Um, and I chose the war domain mm -hmm. and because I wanted to have a, a healing ability, but I also wanted to be able to, you know, if, if, if it's really down to it, <laughs> that I could then turn yeah. around and be like, oh, I heal. But by the way, here is, you know, whatever I can cast that will just wipe you out. Um, right. But definitely the the turning undead and disintegration of undead was actually really nice because mm -hmm. um, I think I think that was actually one of the mirror campaigns where we were running across a lot of undead, like, you know, undead hanging out at campsites and wandering the countryside, you know, picking flowers and stuff. It's like there's more undead. We should have to kill them. And that was uh, that's why I chose that. But I found it very, very powerful. Of course, I think we only got to about level six or seven. And we haven't returned to that adventure yet, I don't think. But um, but I think that's is that the is that the that's not the northern adventure, is it? The Viking kind of campaign we did. Um, I don't remember. 
<laughs> with COVID, they're all blurring together. Yeah. But, anyway, we, we can, yeah. we can, uh, we can figure out who that was. Yeah. So the war domain, we could skip over to that. So these worshipers excel in battle, like Shane was saying. They can inspire others to fight the good fight. I think this is kind of weird. They say <laughs> they can offer acts of violence as prayer. I bring forth this violence upon the undead. That's pretty dark. That, that is a weird, that is a weird yeah. way to do that. And this is where the fifth edition drift happens, where the classes start to look a bit like themselves. So here the war cleric some starts to look like quite a bit like a paladin and really what's, a, you know, you start to wonder what the yeah. difference is. Um, there's also the life domain, which you promote vitality and health. Um, it's really focused on healing and those in need and driving away the force of darkness, um, all the forces of darkness. So this is a very traditional cleric, the light domain, or sorry, the life domain. This is a very, yeah. um, you know, more like the original cleric in D&D. Same, the same with the light. So promoting ideals of rebirth and renewal, truth, vigilance, and beauty, often using the symbol of the sun. So the, the light and life domains are both quite traditional clerics and i think yeah. they stay true to what the cleric was when dnd started and the war domain um yeah it gives you more of a warrior cleric interesting blend uh nature this is when again the classes start to blur blur like what's a what's a druid and what's a cleric so the nature domain hunting evil monstrosities that despoil the woodlands bless the harvest of the faithful um, or wither the crops of those who anger the gods. Like that kind of thing. To me, that sounds I like love a... love you. <laughs> that sounds like a necromancer. Hunting evil monstrosities in the wilderness. That sounds like a ranger or a druid. Yeah. So again, they're kind of, kind of drifting away from what a cleric is. Um, the Tempest Domain. So this basically is Thor. So... Gods. I, who... I honestly have never thought of this as being a Thor-like character because I always pictured him as, you know, being like a a, a, a battle mage or or a, a, a like a barbarian a, maybe barbarian sort of character. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the fact that he could throw thunder or throw lightning, not just because he can, mm -hmm. but like like on a particular moment, like oh well, I can only do it this one time at between however many days, or whatever. It's just whenever he feels like it. Oh yeah, I'm the god of thunder. Right on. Cool. I'm gonna throw some lightning your way. But yeah. yeah, this this is actually a very cool thing because it it does give you a different perspective on who Thor is, and especially Loki. I mean, we're all clouded. I think for most people who play D and D by the MCU versions, yeah. but uh, but if you go back into into mythology, then definitely, uh, I, I think they're right. I think this is actually very cool. Sorry, keep going. I just I just love that. I love it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think I, as far as Thor, I agree. Um, and uh, there's a great new show uh, from Europe called Ragnarok, which is a new take on um, the Norse mythology. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not, but I it, now will have to. It's really good. And if you watch that again and look at this, so a worshiper of a god who governs storms or sea or the sky. Yeah, I can. I, I really see how it's a great, I like it. I like it a lot because it's different than a paladin um, and it's different than a barbarian. I think that's a great, I think it's five, fifth edition did something really cool here. On the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the trickery domain to me doesn't fit at all. So it's supposed to be a cleric who's a disruptive force in the world, puncturing pride and mo mocking tyrants, stealing from the rich, freeing captives, and flouting hollow traditions. To me, that sounds a lot like a rogue or a bard. It doesn't sound anything like a cleric. No, I, I would agree. That That is, to me... Like if if you hid in the document the fact that this was in the cleric section, no, it it to me I'd be oh that's a, a rogue yeah of course you know backstab exactly. people and stuff like that like that yeah, no that's not yeah I could see a bard too like puncturing pride mocking tyrants being a disruptive force I could see like a you know a, a scoundrel kind of bard character uh, for sure but yeah. It's interesting. Like they've got a very some very traditional clerics, um, the war domain, which sort of go. It's not. It doesn't stretch too far from a cleric, and then a great idea, I think, with the tempest domain, but I think they 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 overstep themselves with the temp uh, with the trickery, in my in my opinion. I was just looking up the that that particular domain, and that one's been the mm -hmm. trickery domain's been around for a while, which surprises me. Yeah, me too. Me too. Bizarre. I, some of these things that you would that I also thought were oh fifth edition has straight you know it's actually like you say it's much earlier because uh, personally all I know is first edition and fifth so anything in between I have no idea what happened. Um, it sounds in some ways that wasn't such a bad thing sometimes because there was a lot of searching for what kind of game they they wanted to play. Um, it looks like right. it was introduced in. Three five, it, wow, yeah. So, so way it's, it's after I was playing, yeah, yeah, same, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I love it. All right, so we we will probably have uh, separate shows on spells, so we won't talk about every single spell, but there are some great spells for um, clerics. You definitely want to keep the sacred flame cantrip, pretty useful, and spare the dying. Really, really good one to have. Um, cure wounds, a really basic one that you, you want to have around for clerics, especially at low levels. Guiding Bolt is one of the better attack spells, can do pretty decent damage. Um, spiritual Weapon, I know a couple of the players in our group in Sh with Shane, they use that all the time. Um, it's really helpful that you can move this, this spiritual weapon around to attack different foes, to follow them. A lot of spells, creatures can leave the area, but the really, really cool spells are the ones that can follow them around, which give the yeah. Dungeon Master uh, a lot of headaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's all these mass healing spells that uh, the cleric can do. The craziest one is heal, which I think is 70 hit points, if I remember correctly. So, you know, your, your medium or high level characters are pretty banged up, and the cleric just gives you 70 hit points. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Um, there's a bunch of ones that help with um, badly damaged characters like Revivify, Remove Curse, Regeneration, um, and of course, Resurrection, the classic one, which I think, as long as it's not too easy, I think it's a pretty cool part to add in to the game. And basically, in our campaigns, I make it very, very expensive. And the party has to find a large city with uh, clerics that would 
agree to do it. And usually they have you have to make a large donation to the church or temple. <laughs> I don't think I know that we've done some major healing, but I don't think have we done any resurrections? Yeah. Not too many times because we haven't got really high levels, but I think both of our high level campaigns, when we went to 20th level, we had at least one or two characters resurrected and we had one reincarnated as another creature. Maybe I might be thinking of the reincarnation because mm -hmm. I can't think of any time we did a resurrection, but, but again, it's, it's rare. Like, yeah. The, yeah. The fact that it's like you're in a dungeon, somebody's completely died. Uh, let's get him to the nearest town like no 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 yeah we have to go back through all of that and we're almost at the end uh sucks to be you larry uh you know we'll just throw your body in a corner and cover yeah. you with some stuff and move on yeah <laughs> and steal all your stuff too yeah yeah exactly if they're if the party from my perspective if the party is willing to pay if they're willing to go on a journey then it might be possible at higher levels um, yeah. At low levels, very unlikely um, that it will be possible. There's also banishment. We mentioned this spell again, just awesome spell because the player or the NPC is gone or monster. They're off. They're out of the battlefield. They're gone. So it's a very, very, it can be a game changer, that spell. Um, of course, there's these incredibly powerful spell. Well, there's, I should mention spirit guardians, really underrated spell. I love that one. That is my favorite. I remember yeah. using it on uh, for, in some adventure, and uh, it w was going on for a while because the creatures were like close by. It was tight quarters, and so I was able to make an attack or do a heal, but I still had these little angel-type creatures running around, uh, you know, giving wax every every time. Yeah, so. yeah a, great, a great spell. Um, Guardian of Faith, another really good one. And then the high, high-level... You know, you've got anti-magic field, control weather, earthquake. There's a lot of um, very, very powerful spells for clerics later on. So a lot to a lot to work with. Um, I don't think you have to be as strategic as a wizard many times uh, because you have better defenses. You've got better hit points. You've got better weapons. Um, I think it really it does really help a party whenever you have a cleric or paladin it does really really make a big difference uh, another reason Especially... i love these... oh sorry no I... you go ahead i was just gonna say it. they become really powerful especially when they have deities on their side because uh dms can i mean there's there's a few places i if i recall that you can actually uh request assistance from your deity you can do things but the DM can also go, geez, my, I, I don't really feel like a total party kill today. Uh, Joe smashes through a wall. He is the god of, oh my god, I better save you. And he comes in and, yeah. and does something. And, and hopefully the party doesn't doesn't totally die. But yeah, there's yeah. been some really good moments like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the fun parts about the cleric is the relationship with their deity. And, um, you know, if, the, if you have a pantheon of gods in your campaign you know it, yeah there can be a lot of interesting uh, role play a lot of interesting things in the plot with rivals of the of the temple and the history you've had with the temple and the deity um yeah i think it's a really really epic part of the game so pros definitely as we've spoken about all the healing that the clerics can give the party 
there's a lot of healing in D and think probably it would be a more challenging game if there was healing more concentrated just with clerics and paladins and maybe druids i don't think bards you really need to have it with bards like they've done and rangers um i think it's better if you just keep it around these more traditional classes for healing but uh, the definitely you're you know the a chief healer is the cleric um they're good oh. warriors in 5e which is um nice uh for your players to have someone who's going to survive and um cons i think some of the subclasses are straying too far from what the what the class is in my opinion um i think sometimes there's a lack of range because there's not many examples of a cleric especially in our modern society um yeah i think there could be a lot there could be a lot more examples that you could make some really great characters like we mentioned the priest movie you know that would be one of the things i'd love to see if they make a good DD movie if that ever happens <laughs> that, is, um, that is the sad fact there has never been uh a good well i mean i well, when i think of good <laughs> DD on television or you can watch i still go back to the 80s show because I haven't yeah. seen anything. Um, there was a, show, a movie called um, that was based on a video game called like In the Name of the King or something, mm. and it was closer than I think D and D's attempts. But you know, you have to kind of take the good with the bad, and the problem is we haven't had the good yet. So yeah, and if I think if there was a classic D and D movie, a great movie, I think it'd be great to explore those those traditional classes. You could do something different. Uh, like personally. My campaigns, I think, are sort of a bit of Lord of the Rings with Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy thrown in. Yeah. Um, that's sort of what they're like, and I'd love to see a movie like that. Um, and it would be really cool to have a cleric as one of those one of the one of the adventuring party. I would like to play more of them. I've only got a chance to play a cleric once in Fifth Edition uh, in the Curse of Strahd campaign briefly. I played a cleric who who would would basically sacrifice everything for those in need and the party um and he he didn't really and he didn't want any gold he didn't want any fame uh he didn't want any approval he didn't want any, <laughs> he just was happy um being of service to uh good creatures and his companions and actually that was quite a lot of fun um, it might sound quite basic, but, uh, he was very, cause he was such a stark character. It was actually interesting. Well, I, I don't think that's basic at all. I think that is actually being able to play counter to what a general character is, because a lot of the time, if you don't sort of emphasize that these are characters with their own life and they're not necessarily just robots that are moving forward to get the loot and to kill the thing and to move on. I mean, that that actually, I think, gets lost a lot of the time in a lot of games that I've played where uh, you can fall into that rut where you want to get to the end of the session and gain something uh, for the party. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the t I, I find, even for myself, though, every so often I go, you know what, I haven't really played role played that well today. I've, I've played i've rolled the dice i've done the thing mm -hmm. but i haven't actually reviewed my character close enough to kind of go 
How can I screw up the DM this session? Okay. I need to challenge the DM with this particular flaw that I have. I need to challenge the other players with this particular thing that this my character really wants to be involved with. Like I like for example, one of our players is very good at it. Uh, has played several characters where undead or an evil uh, clan, you know, they want to take vengeance upon them. Uh, but especially with the undead, uh, when they've played clerics, they're very much in the oh. You know, guys, here's here's our spyglass. Take a look. All right, okay. There's undead three miles that way. We better skirt around them. No, they must die, and then charges off. And it's like, oh, damn it! All right, guys, let's go. <laughs> you yeah. kind of have to to follow it. Which I love those moments because it forces the players to 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 get out of their heads, to forget what they've been trying, uh, and and embrace that sort of improv style, which which I really like about D and D because. Um, you know, you, you need those moments to go every so often. Something needs to happen that just kind of throws everyone off balance a little bit. You know, gets the player to go, "Oh yeah, uh, this is actually a live world that I should be I should remember." It's not a static thing, just waiting for me to kill stuff and take the gold. You know, right. I just, I love that part about it. And maybe that's the point of the trickery domain for clerics. Highly doubtful, but I guess if we were to like say something positive about that domain, but I've never played it, but uh, I don't see trickery playing. Oh, Lordy, you are hurt and you've fallen down. I should help you, but oh, just kidding. <laughs> you know, that would be weird. That would just be too strange. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The other, um, the other factor, you know, it depends what your setting is like. In our world of Mir, there are the deities are very involved. It's a big part of the story, and so there are many clerics and priests. Um, we've also added our own subclass for cleric in the city book. We have the Order of Truth, and so nice. it's all about um, being truthful, being present. Um, being basically lawful good and just speaking the truth about lawful good and just calling evil out for what it is and it's actually part of the the cover is this one um, female character who is a truth teller and this truth teller npc slash monster is in the book and she basically is this almost like radiant being almost like a saint who is born with a desire just to tell the truth in her life and um, is really in, inspired by a certain Swedish teenager activist, environmental activist in many ways. And, um, and it's a bit of a Joan of Arc ca character too. And so we made a cleric domain that follows that, that sort of pattern and on the cover of the Monsters of the City book, you have her arriving in the city in this golden glow and all around her is all this chaos and darkness. But she is she is going to stay true and she is going to bring this positive energy into the world. I think that is so cool. <laughs> I, I actually... I didn't realize that that's kind of what you you had based it upon. Did I totally miss that somewhere? 
Well, it's interesting. It's always an interesting process because talking about the books of what we're going to do, I talk with our artist at the beginning before I start because he's such a big part of the the, the story, and I tell him my idea, and then he gives input. And one of the big things that we start out doing is we start talking about what's the cover going to be because that sets the tone of what the book is going to be about. So originally, my idea was actually an amazing photograph from the United Nations. And it would have been about four, three or four years ago, there was a scene where the last American president, who um, is a hotel, a former hotel magnate, even though he w- went bankrupt all the time, um, that president was at the United Nations doing a speech. And it happened to be at the same time that this um, activist, this environmental activist was there. And there's just this incredible photo of him. Um, I think he is the one who's looking at the camera and she's off to the side. And she's giving him this look of, again, of, you know, I know you're evil. <laughs> and I'm here to speak the truth. And I don't care if I'm 15 years old or whatever, however old she was. And um, it is just a spectacular, spectacular photograph of showing archetypes. Um, and so I talked to the artist, Travis Hansen, about how, you know, this is what I'm really looking for on the cover. And eventually we decided that doing something that was basically a copy of that photo is too close and it it's the time where you're hitting people over the head with satire and um what we wanted to do was something a bit more subtle but we wanted the same energy and that's what that cover is it's the same energy if you look at the female figure at the center she is truth and goodness and the energy of the corrupt evil uh, city is what is around her, especially on the entrance to the city. So th- that's, yeah, sometimes you want to make things a bit more subtle. And yeah, it has, that book has had a very interesting impact. Um, there are, it seems like there's people who really, really love it. <laughs> and then there's people who it's not their thing. And that's fine. Exactly. I mean, with all the books you created, um, the fact that you sat down, planned them out, and they've evolved over the series, uh, yeah, why not? I mean, you're adding a story into the latest, like the last what three books, I think, um, where you, instead of it just being like a, a bestiary, you've actually got this this thing of okay, well these are creatures that I thought were cool, and here are their stat blocks. But you know what? There's actually something else behind that's going on. Why are these creatures mm-hmm. doing this thing? And and I, I that's really important. And, and and again, you're right. I mean, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but they don't have to buy it. They could buy it for friends instead, uh, and for their parents and their siblings and potentially their grandparents if their grandparents play D and D as well. So you know, <laughs> they don't have to buy it for themselves, but they could buy it for others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's the thing is that a lot of books out there that especially on Kickstarter, you and I have talked about this before, about some of the uh, the promise of Kickstarters that have not gone 
to their full extent. They've kind of gone mm -hmm. sidetracked or they or they failed altogether. Yeah, I thought we got the money. Sorry, we're not going to do it now. Or the product is just really horrible and mm -hmm. uh, not doesn't come out as it was sort of uh, promised. But, um, you know, the, at least you're out there doing something, which is the most important piece where a lot of people think about doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. and then they end up not doing it. And the fact that you sat down like, yeah, I've got all this stuff I've written down for years. I'm going to put it into books and it's going to make them awesome. You know, there you go. So as, as I said, you don't have to buy it for yourself. You could buy the book for someone else because <laughs> they might love it. <laughs> We're lucky, actually, because there's even some people who bought the book just for having an art book who don't even play D&D. Really? I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Travis's art is something something special for sure. Yeah, I like it. It's it's that nice blend of not quite full-on comic and not quite full-on, you know, Elmore or insert yeah. any of those other sort of painters from from uh I call them the the classic painters. I mean, they're probably still doing stuff. But uh but yeah, Mostly. I mean definitely that that visual uh style for D, D was established i think in third edition um i myself to be honest have actually always loved the like original books with like just the black and white maybe mm -hmm. a bit of shading here and there i always loved that style um but the but definitely yeah when they got into the painting i mean it looks pretty it looks great but i mean compare like the monster manual from first uh to now and like the artwork is so different but you know i kind of like the, the, the travis one is kind of somewhere in that middle in between which i like so i guess i just like art i mean that's that's one of my failings i like a lot of different styles of art but uh but definitely travis uh yes go as i did i did i mention you should buy it for your friends even if you don't <laughs> want to buy it for yourself i i keep forgetting of that which uh, of those cleric domains, which one do you do you think sounds interesting now? I know you said you played War Domain. I played the War Domain because I really thought we, I, I the the adventure sort of I felt called for it. Um, I've also played the Light Domain. Mm -hmm. um, however, the Tempest Domain, out of all of these right now, you want to be Thor. Uh, I totally want to be Thor. I mean, like. You're not going to well, be. I never, I never really player. thought of it as the higher level spells of like <laughs> controlling the weather and doing stuff like that. I thought, yeah, you're right. You could totally affect the environment, which would change how the battle is going. It's like, uh, you know, I'm going to call in a insert weather storm name here, and then the DM can go, oh yeah, well okay, well it's now you kind of you can't see anything. No one can see anything because of all the particulate in the that's being kicked up off the ground or. Uh, you know, like somebody cast a large, uh, what is it? The uh, fog, uh, was it fog of bugs or circle? Oh, of bugs the insect, the insect plague, it's, the insect yeah. plague cloud thing, uh, mm -hmm. which we've had a couple people in our parties at, at different times, like having it, the spell attached to an object or they've decided to cast it because they have like a, a, a wand for it. And you kind of, at one point, you're like, ah, this, that's so silly. Like, bug, cloud, whatever. And then suddenly it gets cast, and it's like, well, okay, now no one can see anything. So you're going to have to roll at disadvantage, but sh so will the creature. So, you know, there's all those sorts of weird things that are going to happen. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I mean, I want to be Thor now. But although 
there is the knowledge domain as well, which I just, I like that idea. You know, like, I don't know. You guys fight. No, no, no. I'm, I'm in a, I'll, the books are over here, you know? Uh, no, no, no. We don't need the chest. There's shelves over here. <laughs> like, I have to go through every single book right now. I just, I love that idea. I just like that, that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to say the knowledge domain really speaks to me now too. Just, uh, just in terms of a character who's obsessed with these old tomes and who's who's got this other um, agenda, maybe like you said before about the clear, you know, we've had a people who are, you know, just go after the undead, no matter what the situation. And um, this character, you know, maybe they find a, a tunnel and a dungeon that heads into the underdark and He's like, oh, this might lead to the ancient temple of blah, blah, blah. This is, we need to go. Um, yeah, I like, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a sage wizard, but something different. So I like I like that idea for sure. I think, I think Indiana my next character is, well, I mean, yeah, I did the, I have a character who's a, um, is that, I think he's the, the druid. Your druid, yeah. The druid who, who basically is trying to be Indiana Jones, but rethinking that character like this actually plays into that more because the problem that I have with the other characters, he lacks that ability. He doesn't. He doesn't have the knowledge part of it. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. just. He just likes screaming. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> um, but uh, he's self-taught. He's self-taught. Exactly. He's, he's like an amateur archaeologist <laughs> running right. around with a shovel. He's not quite That's sure right. how to use it, but uh, yeah, he's got the brush. What do these universities and ac academies know? <laughs> I can get all my information, you know, magically. Magically from the interspell web <laughs> thing. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is the thing of reviewing these classes and, and these and the different uh, species in the game. I mean, every time we talk about it, there's always these little tiny ideas that come up that are like, that just say, Hey, by you know, I, you've, when you say cleric, you have this preconceived notion, but if you actually read the details mm -hmm. and actually commit the details to memory, then you have a, a greater breadth of, of things that you can actually do with a character that, you know, normally you might just play the character as I will heal everyone and then move forward. I'll heal everyone. But giving that game life, I mean, I'm all about giving the game that sort of that that life where if they do want to do something, just being able to kind of roll it and say, you know what, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, the ground opens up and swallows the entire party and uh, you find yourselves inside of a barrel. We're in a barrel? Yeah, I don't know. Just you, you were the one who opened the ground. What's under the ground? We don't know. It's a big, huge barrel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's all these kinds of you know things that you can actually play with as as time goes on, and uh, especially when the characters get to those higher levels, um, because that's the one thing that a lot of people run into that at least I find, uh, and I've had discussions about is they get to like level five or six, and the game kind of peters out, and they don't quite go over to play anymore, or they don't play with the, that group, and, and they don't get to enjoy the really kind of cool stuff at the higher like 18, 90, 20th levels, and uh, and I think that. There needs we need an intervention with D and D sometimes. We got to get to the higher levels, people, because there you think that that it's hard when you're like first, second, third. It's still hard when you're nineteenth and twentieth because you're going up against things that are, are far higher levels than that. But you have so many different options. Like 
you mm -hmm. look at your character sheet every time you level up, you're like, I really don't know what to do. I was doing this for a while. I did this combination for a while, but now I've got this thing, but I don't know if it's this, you know, if all these kinds of internal conversations and also conversations you should have with your DM about your character as well, because that enriches the game a lot when you establish at the beginning or partway through, it's like, yeah, you know what I found? I have a cousin and he was on a trek that took him to the, somewhere nearby where we're going to be. And then suddenly the DM's like, so you guys are all about to die and the dragon's about to swallow you all. And suddenly you hear this horn and then this guy on a horse comes riding in. He's like, hey, I heard you were in the area and I'm here to save you or, or whatever, you know, because, but it, having those opportunities, I guess, to really sort of commit these kinds of details about classes like Sacred Flame, everybody knows about, but Earthquake and Control Weather, not necessarily because they mm -hmm. might not have ever played that high. And uh, that just opens up so many possibilities for how the story can unfold. And again, I love that stuff. I just love it. I love it. The story part just gets me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's the best part of, of the game, like you say. And um, yeah, I think we can definitely move through the levels quicker than the traditional D&D. &D. Like I used to, it depends obviously how long your sessions are, but considering these days, the average sessions are two to four hours. I'd used to kind of go, I'd, we'd level up every two or three sessions, sometimes more if, if there weren't a lot of, if there wasn't a lot of combat, because I still use XP and I, I, I use milestones to a certain degree. Um, now I'm doing it much faster. I'd say it's at least every two levels leveling up, sometimes a little bit earlier. Um, at the very beginning, it's a bit faster too. It's really quick going from first to second, for example, yeah. and second to third is not a big jump. So I think you're right. I think it's you need to expose the players to these extra features earlier on. Um, yeah, most games, I think the statistics show these days, most games go to 10th to tenth or 12th level, and that's probably pretty consistent with early D&D too. We didn't go much past that many times when we first played. Um, and then now with fifth edition, we've only twice gone up to 20th level with a campaign. Right. So, yeah, I think we can move through those levels a bit faster. Um, and it's a kind of video game generation. People are used to that more, too. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I, I think it would be kind of cool to start as a 20th level and have some sort of curse. And you suddenly <laughs> are dropping levels throughout the entire campaign until you get to the end. Well, one way to do that is to go back to old school D&D &D and have the undead where they could take your levels away. That was just crazy. What? Really? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Levels off you. Yeah. I actually, oh, I agree. I think cool. it's. I like that. I do actually like that idea. Um, yeah. There's some things like they had poisons that would just kill you automatically. Traps that would kill you automatically. That I think is a bit too much, but uh, I do like the idea of once in a while, maybe a, a certain kind of creature, a wraith or something, being able to take a level or two away. Yeah. I think that is actually a really good idea because that would be a, uh, that would actually, now uh, this is uh, again, my last pet peeve of the day. Sometimes I find the players that I've played with, uh, in the past have definitely gotten they've gotten to the point where they they're they're too safe 
They're mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, they don't have to be really afraid. It's just a game character, whatever. If it dies, it dies. But if you really sort of pause and kind of go, you know what? The, the goal of me is, is to, this is a character who does not want to die. They are just like anybody else. And there should be a, a certain level of fear of any encounter you get to. It's like, ah, oh, it's just a giant rat, whatever. And then you're like, yeah, so the giant rat has the ability to suck your levels away because it's a rat of Grimora or something. And, and you're like, what the hell is that? It's like, it's a rat of Grimora. It's what you run into. And then suddenly it's like you have three players who've dropped two levels each. And you're just like, oh, you're going to have to regain them, I guess, you know. Uh, or we might find something somewhere that might, you know, give you the ability to regain those. But right now, no, you're third level. You're not fifth anymore. Like, to me, that, that adding that little level of fear of just, like, not death, but just you could detriment there's something detrimental that you can do uh, that'll make the player have to really work harder. Um, it would be harder for the DM to run a game like that, though. But uh, it would be yeah. kind of amusing to me. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think a more challenging game is always better. The other, the other feature that can really impact things, it's, again, with Undead, where usually where you have hit points but they don't come back right away that's that's when what players did I always cast go, cure wounds Whoa. it didn't do anything cure yeah. wounds failed what do you mean it failed yeah yeah i think i think challenge is a good thing personally i that's what i try to do at my table and uh yeah i think it makes for a better game for sure totally does and but uh in challenge you're gonna need a cleric well yeah I mean, if you don't have a cleric, actually, you you've said this before, and we started some campaigns. Yeah, so you have two tanks, and uh, you have a, a thief, and you have a druid, and uh, none of you are clerics. Okay, just making you just point that out there before we start. Yeah. yeah, and then quietly, all the players suddenly make paladins and clerics as their backup characters. <laughs> exactly. And suddenly, every I have party... never done that. Never done yeah. that. Yeah. Um, all right, so clerics, lots of things to talk about. We'll talk about their spells more in depth another time. Um, yes, our yes. little live Kickstarter update is that uh, we're still pretty close to 400 backers. And again, we're halfway through and close to 80%. The links are below. Take a look if you want a Feyland or, or a Forest kind of campaign. And um, next week, we're going to go back to Monsters to look at um, a giant spherical ball with eye stalks that can blast you to oblivion and as i have discovered in the last uh, year and a half or so there are quite a few different types of those floating balls that blast things yes. but uh yeah they're not you should not underestimate them because they suck <laughs> unless they're good I, on your side which is never I a love thing. Them. i love them you love them <laughs> Well, thank you all for watching. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, don't forget that we are online. You can hear this in audio format and also watch us uh, on YouTube. And don't forget, uh, the Kickstarter is, of course, right over here. Uh, and it's running for another 14 days. Uh, we're almost there. Uh, more more than halfway, about halfway. Uh, oh, funny. 70% of the way. Close to 80%. Nice, nice. Yes. And uh, and so, yeah, don't forget, uh, make sure to come and visit us online, talk to us on Twitter, and all that kind of fun stuff, because uh, 
how are we going to make millions of dollars doing this? Well, it will be because of you. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you all. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later.